This podcast is not here for those people that are trying to stay out of last place. Because those consequences don't exist for the people that are listening to this podcast. These are the people that always end up in the playoffs but can't seem to get over that hump. Or the ones who just want to dominate year after year just to show everybody else they're the champions. Guys, this is a fantasy football intervention. And we're about to intervene with your fantasy football life. Live, we are live, we are live. What's going on, guys? Welcome on into Fantasy Intervention. Get excited for yet another episode. Oh, yeah, we got an interesting, interesting topic set up for us today. And of course, we have Taylor, Taylor Cornell in the house from a writer from Dynasty Happy Hour and host of the Dino Pod. Did I get that right? Dinosaurs, close enough. Dinosaurs. Apologize for that. What's going on, Taylor? How you doing, man? Doing great. How you doing? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Just excited to get this topic rolling. As am I. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started on this. How long you been in the the fantasy community? How long you been writing for Dynasty Happy Hour? What's going on? Yep. Um, I actually am. I, I, from what I've seen in the Dynasty community, I guess I'd be considered somewhat newer to Dynasty because I've only been playing for, I think this will be my fourth year playing. Um, I was redraft starting in like middle school. So I've been doing that for 15 <laughs> years or something. And then I was introduced to the world of Dynasty, which is like a whole different culture, a whole so different game. So much better. <laughs> and so much better. I, I haven't really done much redraft since then, but uh, I've been writing for a couple years now. I've uh, been at Dicey Happy Hour specifically for a few months. I think May is when I started writing there. And then um, along with everyone else during the pandemic, I started a podcast in March. So uh, I'm joining the oversaturated market of fantasy podcasts. But, <laughs> the oversaturated uh, <laughs> market for sure. Yeah, but I'm doing it for fun. So um, I have a lot of fun out there and it's the Dino Source, D-Y-N-O Source. Um, I've, I've been lucky to have a lot of great guests that have made it my job a lot easier trying to host a, a, a solo pod. So that's been awesome, but yeah. still a lot of fun. Dude, hosting a solo pod is absolutely brutal. You can take it from me. I do five episodes every <laughs> single week while in season, and I do a live questionnaire on Sunday mornings. So I know how it is to do a solo podcast. I don't and, envy you on that, by the way. <laughs> you got to talk for an hour straight to yourself, pretty much, and get yourself all riled up and answer your own questions and keep it interesting. It's not, not easy. So let's go ahead and jump into this, this episode, right? Because I read an article, read your article actually, on Dynasty Happy Hour. It's DeAndre Hopkins, a wide receiver two this upcoming season. And I thought your take on DeAndre Hopkins was very, very interesting. So what's the biggest factor as to why? Why could he be a wide receiver two? Yeah, I, I, I also have a gnat. <laughs> great, great radio right now. Wow, okay, so we're live. <laughs> I mean, it's in a, it's, I'm in a huge room and it's choosing right here. Anyways. So, uh, um, where were we? Uh, so I, I didn't intend to come out, come out with a hot take on Deandre Hopkins. I typically try to not be the hot take guy, uh, unless I actually have something that could potentially back it up. 
But I mean, I think we have enough of that in the fantasy community of hot takes backed by nothing, which can be fun, but also um, they don't have a whole lot of basis. But um, I started looking into DeAndre Hopkins um, and really it kind of started just looking at the top of the wide receiver class now um, and kind of trying to predict what that might look like in a couple of years. And so looking at, you know, age is just one of the things you look at, but, uh, I try not to, you know, ding somebody just because of their age, even though we love to do that in dynasty. Yeah. I'm looking at Hopkins. Guilty. Guilty. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I mean, the benefit you have is you're probably going to be ahead of the hype on some of these players that I'm slow to. So I was, I was, I wouldn't say I was low, but I was much lower on Chris Godwin last year than everybody else oh, God, because I'm a like. And, and it's to a fault and I'm working on it, but I'm a see it to believe it kind of guy. I, I do believe in some projecting of players, but I think a lot of times it's, we project to the point of almost last year, I felt like Godwin was already being projected close to what we might think his ceiling would be. And he hadn't done too much yet. So I'm God, slower he was a because I star coming in the league. I, though, man. I know. And that's my fault. I'm late. And I wasn't quite as late on AJ Brown, but I'm also not quite as high on him as others. So to a fault, I I hang on to those proven assets uh, a little bit longer and value them higher. But with Hopkins, he's going to the new situation that everybody knows about, um, you know, in Arizona with that stud wide receiver, Christian Kirk, that I know some of our listeners absolutely adore. Um, but really, his target market share is what has me just slightly concerned about what 2020 might look like. And um, even going forward after that, then because the guy's been a target hog and that's a great thing for wide receivers to have that volume. And I'm just a little curious what happens when that market share goes down a little bit, not to, you know, super low numbers, but I'm thinking a wide receiver two in fantasy is, you know, a top 14, 15 finish, which is not shabby, but it's not the DeAndre Hopkins we've been used to. So, I mean, with that being the case, like you said that you were kind of, you know, lower on, I guess, high profile or I'm sorry low profile guys that project to put up stats in the future younger guys essentially right so at what point do you kind of like draw the line and say hey this guy is going to be you know one of my top end options like do you need one year of production do you need like a half a season of production where is that line drawn yeah that's a great question. I'm getting better at it I think because I um if you listen to um our, our friend fantasy mansion out there. I, I used to kind of get stuck in and take lock of whatever I think about a player. It's going to take a lot for me to unthink that or open my mind to other points of view. I've gotten a lot better at that, but I think for me, like what I'm looking for in general is something at the NFL level in a, I don't know if there's a number on the sample size. I mean, half a season. I don't know, but like something that I feel like this, this very easily projects to future pro, uh, production at that same level. So like if someone has a, like a Tyler Higby four game sample streak. I don't look at that and say like that easily carries over to 2020. I think there's a lot of question marks that would impact that. You get somebody that does that for 10 games of a season, for example, that unless there's some other major factors changing in that situation, chances are he's probably going to be able to repeat that or improve upon that. So it's not, I'm not a flawless, uh, not a flawless evaluator by any means. <laughs> so I have DeAndre Hopkins. I believe I have him on my rankings for dynasty nerds, dynasty nerds.com slash fantasy football dynasty rankings. You do have to be a member, but if you are go check me out on there. 
I have him here as my sixth overall wide receiver right behind Kenny Galladay in Dynasty and right ahead of Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, A.J. Brown, and Tyree Kill, who I'm not as high on because I like consistency. My fear with, with DeAndre Hopkins is that him and Christian Kirk, I feel like they have a lot of similarities to an extent, especially when it comes to the position that they actually play, and that they could possibly cannibalize each other. So what are your thoughts when it comes to these two and their possible cannibalization? Did I get that right? Cannibalization? I right. Well, I don't know. I kind of think of the... I also was working on something else uh, earlier this summer where I've been in like data compiling mode. I feel like all summer where something will pop into my head and I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to pull some data on that from the last five years or seven years or whatever to see if, if there's any trends there. And target market share was one of them. Um, another one was around like the the narrative of, Hey, there's, there's too many mouths to feed in this offense. This player can't excel. And it's a, it's an argument we see, or a narrative we see pushed um, somewhat regularly, sometimes in the fantasy community. It didn't feel like that was legit. I mean, you think about uh, like, there've been great offenses. Like last year you had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin did just fine together. Uh, They also had Jameis Winston as the gunslinger there, but there really has been, I think it was the last five years. There's been an average of five teams per year maybe it's three teams that support two top 24 uh, fantasy options. So I think it's hard for me to use the word uh, cannibalization. Yeah. That's what I look like. Uh, <laughs> take a picture to last longer. Um, that's out to faith. Who said that's what Taylor looks like. See, when you guys actually watch our live shows, you get to see what we look like behind the scenes. You don't yeah. just get to hear our sweet, sweet voices whispering in your ears. <laughs> that's right. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that, I mean, how, how are you defining cannibalization versus that they can't coexist together? Because I think of cannibalization means that both are somewhat harmed. And I think there's probably enough evidence that supports that two good receivers in a high-powered offense can coexist. Well, for me, DeAndre Hopkins did a lot. He did a lot of damage coming out of the slot over his time mm-hmm. with the Texans, right? So for me, like, I don't know. I just feel like Christian Kirk, who also does some of his damage coming out of the slot some of those targets might not be there. And then when you throw in Larry Fitzgerald as well, who I don't, I'm not saying Larry Fitzgerald is going to produce at a high end level this year. But <laughs> he will get his targets. seven years. So yeah, well, that's true. But I mean, he's, <laughs> I want to say two years ago, he went and, and kind of had like a, almost like a drop off to an extent when mm-hmm. it came to his fantasy relevance. So it's just with me, Christian Kirk might end up being, being cannibalized, which actually leads to the person who, who benefits the most from this Deandre Hopkins, uh, acquisition. And obviously, you know, a lot of people are looking at one person, but I'm actually looking the other direction. And I really, really like Andy Isabella moving forward as a guy who actually benefits as a guy who benefits going into this offense with two guys who operate extremely well as slot. They also operate pretty well with the mid range, you know, targets. There's no guy there with a ton of speed, right? They don't have any deep threats. And now you can't throw double coverage necessarily over top with Andy Isabella, which not saying that they were doing that before, but, you know, if he does come into his own, right, and he does produce it at, at a, you know, a decent level, I think they could have some, some major, major games this upcoming year. Man, so I loved, I loved Andy Isabella coming out, and I hated that he had such a bummer of a rookie season. And it was crazy when you looked at the metrics and your college production, all those things, like, he looked like this dude's going to be a monster in the NFL, small guy, but he's going to eat. Like, he's got a yeah. skill set. He's got talent. And then you have that rookie season. It's like, ah, come on. Especially when you had all those other rookie wide receivers that were producing, it kind of made it look even worse. Yeah. So for you, who is benefiting the most 
you know, for you when it comes to the acquisition of DeAndre Hopkins for the Arizona Cardinals? I mean, I went with, I went with like the first very obvious one being Kyler Murray, because, you know, you've got more options and you can't hardly beat that. Um, I think what you mentioned with Andy, Andy Isabella is pretty interesting though, because I think that's part of the reason I'm a little concerned around whether DeAndre Hopkins will have the target market share. And I feel like it now, it sounds like I'm contradicting, contradicting myself too many mouths to feed, but I'm not saying he can't be fantasy relevant. I'm saying, is he going to get, is, is Hopkins going to get the targets necessary to, you know, whether it's 150 targets, 160, I think he had like had a season of like 180 targets or something like that. Ridiculous. So is he going to get that sort of target market share to put up the numbers we've seen, or is Arizona going to be able to really spread the ball out more because you've got those other weapons in Kirk, you've got Isabella who, you know, like you said, his skill set could play really well into what Hopkins and Kirk are doing. Well, I guess it remains to be seen. I think Kenyon Drake averaged, you know, three to four catches out of the backfield uh, once he joined Arizona. So I'm not saying you've got too many mouths to feed. They can't be fantasy relevant, but it does put a little bit of a damper on whether he's got that, that stranglehold on the the targets like he had in Houston. Like it was ridiculous what he was doing there as far as his targets. Yeah. I mean, we have to see what happens. And Oh my God, Detroit just say Hakeem Butler. I'm trying to open up something right now, <laughs> but did Hakeem Butler just actually pop out of, of, of your typing hands? I loved Hakeem Butler too. And then when he started falling in the draft, I was like, well, I guess people know something that I don't. So let me, Hold on. Sorry, Troy. I got to pull this back up. I got to pull this back up for all the fans over there. Oops. Didn't mean to show that screen yet. You pull that off, but no. So Hakeem Butler for me is never going to be an option by the way in Arizona, but with DeAndre Hopkins going back to him, right. And, and looking at DeAndre Hopkins, I'm a lot lower than almost the entire fantasy community. He's like, what, 17th for me overall, including the running back position for dynasty. And the primary reason right? As to why he falls so far down, most people have him up at the 12 range, you know, the the 14 range, is the fact that that running backs are so much more valuable than the wide receiver position early in drafts. And when you're sitting there and you have to, like, you have to have a take and you have to stick with, with your guns and you have to stick with your research, like, that's what I do with these takes that, that kind of, you know, get underneath people's skins. So when I wrote this article, I'm going to go ahead and pull it up now for Dynasty Nerds. You guys can find it on the actual website itself. If you guys look right in the area of the running backs in 2019, right, the RB12 scored 26.2% less than the RB2. When we look over the wide receiver, you see 14.1% less than the wide receiver two. Right, so you already see a huge discrepancy in points. Meanwhile, when you look at the running back twenty, or yeah, the running back twenty-four compared to the running back thirteen, you still see a drop off there, right? But the wide receiver twenty-four versus the wide receiver thirteen, they kind of level out, right? Like they kind of get to an equal, I guess, value almost, and and you don't see that much of a drop off. So if you can sit there and you can hammer away at running backs early, right, and you get your running backs, your solid running backs, you know, the first what. 15, you know, to, well, let's say the first three rounds, actually. And then you just crush wide receivers from wide receiver 13 to wide receiver 24. Dude, you're going to end up, you know, leveling out. So guys like DeAndre Hopkins for me, you know, guys like, like, I don't know, uh, Devontae Adams, I don't want to touch them in the first couple rounds. 
right? Let somebody else take them. I want to get my value while it's still high before it completely falls off, you know, by wide receiver 24. I mean, you're talking about a a 50% drop from wide receiver or from running back two to running back 24. A 50.6% drop off. That's crazy to me. I'd much rather go into my draft with two or three starting caliber running backs, running back ones, essentially, and then pound away at guys like, you know, Kenny Galladay, pound pound away at guys like Odell Beckham, who will fall into that wide receiver two category draft wise. Now, I still have, right, like Adams, Moore, uh, Michael Thomas, Godwin, and the aforementioned Galladay actually ranked ahead of Hopkins, right? So, where does Hopkins sit for you when it comes to those guys? Is he ahead of all those guys? Is he below some of those guys? Where do you see Hopkins in your actual rankings? Yeah, yeah I think I still I have him too high um, after I wrote the article and then went back and revisited my rankings. Uh, as you do start up drafts, you also then go look at your rankings and you're like, wait, I've got this player ahead of that player. Yet when I'm on the clock... I'm not pulling the trigger on that. And so I had Hopkins um, as high as wide receiver three behind Thomas and Adams pretty much for the past year. Um, When I saw the show sheet and this came up and I was like, you know, I should really revisit those to see. I couldn't get them much lower than like 13 or 14 overall. Um, Again, I'm probably, I'm probably too slow to move on some of the younger guys that you're pushing forward on, but like I've got the Thomas and the Adams still ahead of them. I've got the Tyree kills ahead of them. I, I know you said consistency uh, in that my, my thing holding back Tyree kill was off field stuff. And it's like, you're going to sink an early pick or a ton of uh, capital for a trade or something to get somebody that literally any moment could be kicked out of the NFL. So, well, I mean, I'm he only also, per- like if you take his games where he played, not even the games that he didn't play in, you take the games that he played in over the past two seasons and he's only produced double digit fantasy points in 50% of those games. So I mean, when you add in the games that he doesn't play because of those issues, that's just not a guy that I want to spend a high-end draft pick on in the first two, three rounds of the draft. And he's going in the first round in in a lot of cases. Now, I don't mean to go on a tangent here, but one guy that I have higher than Hopkins that I'm wondering, I'm finding myself a little bit higher on than others, but I want to compare it to you. It's Jets. I live right I next to say, an airbase. That legit sounds like a jet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I live right next to the biggest naval base in the, uh, in the U S I tried to turn my mic down, but I didn't get it in time. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Uh, Mike Evans. So where do you have Mike <laughs> Evans among wide receivers and compared to Hopkins? Where do you have Mike Evans? Oh man, Mike Evans for me. Yes, it was a jet. Um, Mike Evans for me is not a, a guy that I'm really getting a lot of shares of. Uh, let me check my actual rankings real quick. Well, actually, I'm off that sheet. But uh, for me, Mike Evans, I don't know if he's going to get the the targets, the volume. Uh, obviously, there's, a, mm-hmm. you know, the, the whole mouth to feed and, you know, too many people in that offense. But there's a reason. There's a reason why people say that. Like, there's a reason why it's a thing. And I think that it's, you know, just because it's said a whole bunch, you know, doesn't mean it's a, a false narrative. Right. So when you have red zone well, targets, I don't think it's false. I just think it might be a little overblown. Because yeah, yeah. Like, but you're talking but, but, about you're talking about Gronkowski, right? You're talking about uh, OJ Howard. You're talking about Chris Godwin. Obviously, you're talking and about And Mike Evans hasn't been the most efficient producer. He's he's really relied on, for the most part, lots of t- targets to 
have his high fantasy finishes and touchdowns have really propelled him when he's finished high. Yeah. And, so I get it. He's not been efficient. And, and Tom Brady likes his open receivers, right? Like we saw him pass up multiple opportunities to go to Nikhil Harry this past year where Harry, you know, might've had a step on his guy, but he was mm-hmm. by no means open. Right. He'd much rather, you know, check it down to the Julian Edelman's who were open. Right. Muhammad Sanu's from time to time, not all the time. But I mean, Tom Brady struggled to an extent. I'm not saying that he was bad, but he struggled to an extent this past year where he didn't have guys who could get open, you know, and and it might just be, you know, his choice. Right. But that's why the Buccaneers are going with Tom Brady over Jameis Winston. Now, do I think that, that Mike Evans is going to fall off a cliff? No, but honestly, the, the Buccaneers, they could actually cut him or trade him after this upcoming year and save, I think, $43 million while only having $3 dead million in cap space. Meanwhile, they could use that money to go fix up their secondary, right? Like, you know, I was a huge advocate back a couple years ago of them trading Mike Evans for a guy like DJ Swearinger. And obviously, you know, that wouldn't, I don't know if that would actually work out now because I'm not sure what Swearinger's efficiency uh, metrics were this past year. But I don't know. I just can't get behind Mike Evans. And with him still being like a wide receiver one or drafted as wide receiver one, I can't get behind him. You know, Mm, I'm looking at my heart. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, you know, do I think that he's still one of the top end wide receivers to go with? Sure. Yeah, I think that he's definitely wide receiver one value but where he's going in drafts i have zero shares of him i have zero shares yeah i mean the the thing the other thing with that mouths to feed was what i when i was looking at some of the data from the last five six years or whatever you really i mean it makes sense you have to have an offense that is high volume i mean these were offenses for the most part that were averaging 600 to 630 pass attempts a year so the, the other thing with Hopkins and back to, back to Hopkins is like that offense last year. I mean, you've got, it was the first year with a, uh, with the coach and the uh, rookie quarterbacks. So I get it, but like there really wasn't that efficient of an offense. It really wasn't a high volume passing offense. Um, will they ramp that up this year? Maybe, but they also just put the transition tag on Kenyon Drake and, and he did pretty well toting the ball for him. So I don't know that the offense is going to necessarily have the volume to support Hopkins as a wide receiver one, but I think him and Kirk could definitely still do, you know, top 24 numbers. And, and I don't think, again, I'm not advocating for Hopkins to fall, you know, super far in rankings, but I think you're right. Probably in the mid to late teens, when it comes to startups where you have them overall and hammer the bell cow or bust method, which it sounds like you're uh, a proponent of. Yeah. I mean, it, it just depends on the situation you're in and, and the direction you want your team to go. You know, a lot of people make the mistake when they draft of not figuring out the direction that they want to bring their team. And it kind of drives me nuts. Like when I watch a guy that, I don't know, drafts like Mark Ingram and Le'Veon Bell, it doesn't kill me that they draft those two guys. But then when you go in and you, the, you know, your primary wide receivers that you pick are like CeeDee Lamb and, you know, Jerry Judy and, and uh, I don't know, Denzel Mims, like those guys aren't going to produce for a couple of years. So you're essentially wasting the last few years that guys like Le'Veon Bell and guys like Mark Ingram have, you know, on rookie wide receivers that just aren't going to produce. So I'm a proponent of setting up a strategy within the first three rounds of your draft and then following that strategy. So if that includes boomer bus guys, if that includes, you know, floor guys, just whatever direction I, I 
you know, set myself up in is the direction that I want to continue to go. And, and I stick to that strategy throughout. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, now you're supposed to draft the best available player. Dude, come on. Like, if you do that, you're going to fuck your team over because they're not going to be on the same, like, bell curve of production. They're not going to have the same lifetime value. You know, you either go for the win now, you go for the rising star team, or you go for the boomer bust, you know, rookie picks, essentially, where you don't know exactly where they're going to end up. But hell, you can end up having, you know, one of the best teams for the next decade if you do it the right way. However, you got to make up your mind the direction that you want to go as the draft starts. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not to get on a draft strategy thing, but I did just do a startup recently. So it's fresh on my mind to that point. I think what I've also been trying to implement into my draft strategies is not taking a lot of players that a year from now won't have the value that they have. So taking players that are either on the Ascension or near their peak or things like that. So when you draft the, uh, I mean, I guess if it's a value at the spot, but drafting the Julio Jones of the world, that's great if you're in a win now situation and things like that. But when you try to trade him next year, you are not going to get the value that you want out of him because he's a declining asset. Random, random off offshoot of a thought there, but. No, I, I hear you 100%. All right. So about to start our game, right? About to start our game in honor of Christian Kirk. We're going to go and play a little game called Shot or Not, being that this is fantasy intervention. And I've never done this before. I might get fucked up and end up losing everything that I've worked for up to this point by saying something really stupid. So we're going to find out. But I went through every team's depth chart on CBS Sports, and I picked some random number two receivers, okay? Right? The second receiver on said team at least by, like I said, the CBS sports depth charts. What we're going to do is we're going to write down our decisions on a piece of paper without discussing this player, right? We're just going to name him first, right? And we're going to flip the paper at the same time for the camera and everybody to see. I will make sure for the people that are listening to the podcast that they actually, you know, hear what I say. So Taylor, if I end up getting drunk because they haven't heard the rules yet and I forget to say it out loud, make sure you say it for me. You got it. You got it. I've got my Coke Zero here, so I'm, I'll be fine. I'll okay. be all right. <laughs> and uh, so here are the rules for everyone that we both take a shot on, right? That we both get behind because of their ADP for those players that we both take a shot on. I'm going to take an actual shot. And for every player that I don't take a shot on, but Taylor does, I'm going to take a chug of my beer. So by the end of this, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it back up to my room. I've never done this before, but I have right here, I don't know, about 15 names or so, would you say? About 15? I'm nervous for you. I'll say that. <laughs> I went and bought a massive handle of Luna Azul, not a sponsor, bigger than my head. And we're going to see how this goes, guys. We're going to see how this goes. <laughs> and I oh, want to clarify, are we, doing, are we doing shot or not at, at ADP Assuming Dynasty? Uh, yes, this is okay, Dynasty okay. rankings that I pulled up. I saw up. some younger names, and I wanted to make sure I'm, <clears throat> I'm thinking Dynasty versus Redraft. Okay. So this, guys, is based off of Fantasy, uh, what is it? Was it Fantasy Calculator or Dynasty? Not Dynasty Calculator, but anyways, it's the ADP pulled off a website. FantasyFootballCalculator.com. That's the one. FantasyFootballCalculator.com. Thank you very much. I'm not even drunk yet, and he's already saving me. <laughs> so what we're going to discuss each player after, after we end up flipping. 
But let's go ahead and get this started with our first guy, Bills John Brown. He's being drafted in Dynasty at the 1001 behind T. Higgins and above Curtis Samuel. So at the 1001 behind T. Higgins and above Curtis Samuel, are you taking a shot on him? Let me know when you're ready. Ooh, now I'm actually having second thoughts on what I was was originally. Okay, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. One, two, three. Shot. Nah. <laughs> I'm safe on that one. Safe <laughs> on that one. I'm a little nervous, guys. A little nervous. Start. Man. All right. So here's the deal. I, I like T. Higgins more. Um, however, guys like mm-hmm. Curtis Samuel, I'm not sure their situation. And we know that this year, John Brown should at least, you know, have decent production. Now, is he going to have production from last year? No. But at the 10.01, I mean, Dude, you're getting a huge, huge value there and, and kind of like a wild card, like kind of like the Joker card where you can play him from week to week against teams like the Dolphins. And we see, I mean, this isn't going to be the easiest schedule for these guys when it comes to the cornerbacks that they're going to have to face. So Stefan Diggs might not get as many targets as what we're hoping. And John Brown, who's actually, in my opinion, a better wide receiver too, might actually benefit very similar to like Tyler Boyd with AJ Green. So what are your thoughts? I think you just sold me. Can I change my answer? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I mean, back can, and forth but... on him. <laughs> I was back and forth on him. Um, I ultimately used Josh Allen as my tiebreaker and how much faith I have in the quarterback situation, which isn't a ton. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to have Josh Allen on my fantasy team for all the random rushing stats he puts up. And somehow, like at the end of like 180 yard passing day with a pick, he still has like 26 fantasy <laughs> points, which I, is great. I'm I a guess. Josh Allen fan. I'm not going to lie. I. I <laughs> I don't hate him as much as like the haters hate him, but like, I just, I, I struggle with that. And, and I think they're, you're right. John Brown in the number two role, may be actually a better fit there than he was as kind of like the number one in that offense. But if I think about in general, Diggs is going to get the most targets on that team. Um, do I trust the number two option for Josh Allen? I don't think I do. Now I, do I have to choose between him or Curtis Samuel? Or can, can I take someone even later that's going in ADP? Cause I mean, as long as you th- like, if you think that he belongs further back in yeah. ADP, that's when you would not take a shot on him. Well, I'm saying like, I think I, I, I don't like, I guess I like him better than Curtis Samuel, but even other than Curtis Samuel guys that are going a little bit later, I might feel a little bit better on like, I think LaVisca Chenault is right there in that range a little bit later. Oh yeah. I, love a, I would probably prefer to take a, uh, an upside shot on him potentially panning out there as a rookie. Cause I'm assuming in round 10, you've generally got most of us starting lineup intact. So right yep. now you're going for a little bit more of your depth and flex. And I'd probably shoot for some upside there, even though John Brown's shown it in the past, but all right, mm, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. No, I really like LaVisca Chanel. I have an article coming out on him right now. All right. On to the chiefs, Sammy Watkins, dude. Hey, Troy, we can play this. Like I'm down to, if anybody that's watching wants to come on and play shot or not, I'm down probably twice a week, but maybe just once. I don't know. All right. So, Next, Chief Sammy Watkins going at 9.06 right after Alshon Jeffrey and right before Henry Ruggs. Now, are you going to take a shot or not? I'm ready when you are, my man. One, two, three. Uh, Okay, cool. Wait, do I have to take a shot for that one? I'm going to ask the comments. Huh? I'm going to ask the comments. 
Should I take a shot if we both say not on there? Or should I just leave it for just the shots? You know what? I'm going to warm myself up anyways. I'm going to go. I still need to wait. I still want to hear from you guys. Leave it. Okay. All right. I'll leave it. He said leave it. All right. So with Sammy Watkins, I mean, I like him more than Alshon Jeffrey to be. Make it a double shot. All right. I'm taking it. Fuck it. I'm just going to take it. <laughs> Close your eyes if you don't want to see it. Here we it. go. All right. So <laughs> I, I actually like him more than, more than Alshon Jeffrey to an extent. I think that Alshon Jeffrey is coming towards the end of his career. But when it comes to other rookies, I would much rather have them above Sammy Watkins because I don't know what's going to happen with Sammy Watkins, right? Like, I don't like he's sitting there saying he was going to retire this past year. Then he's taking a pay cut. Then he's saying that he wants to be a major part of the offense. And now he's saying that he needs to just be a role player. I don't get it. What are you doing, Watkins? What are you doing? And, and I just can't trust guys like that. Like, it, it scares the shit out of me. I mean, it reminds me of the, uh, who was it, Ricky Williams, you know, corollary or, you know, any one of those guys who just don't have their heart in it. And so when they don't have their heart in it, when their heart just isn't there. I don't know. I just can't take a shot on a guy like that. I'll literally never take a shot on Sammy Watkins. Um, and I, if he ever regains form he had from like a second season or rookie season or whenever he performed well, I'll miss out on it and I'm okay with it. But I'm just not interested in that production. I mean, when you look at off the top of my head, I don't know the exact number, but the percentage of his production that came in week one or whatever from last year, I mean, I don't know what he's when are you starting him <laughs> if you can help it you're not so yeah those rookies behind him like T Higgins is behind him Henry Ruggs like again I'll shoot for upside there and hope that one of those guys hits I just not I've seen enough of Sammy Watkins the last few years to be like eh not worth it all right so for this next guy he's probably the earliest drafted wide receiver too if you guys know who it is leave it in the comments I'm going to give a few hints or a few clues real quick right so he's probably the highest drafted wide receiver two in the entire NFL that I can think of. Can you think of anybody else, Taylor, that might be drafted higher? I don't think so. No, no he's definitely the highest drafted wide receiver two. This guy also has a very low yards after the catch, but I believe he has a pretty damn high. It's one of the top ones for, for air yards per target. He is one of five, I guess. Yeah. One of he's on one of five teams that have drafted Two rookie wide receivers to have over 750 yards receiving. Anybody get it yet? I haven't seen anybody. All I right. think I would have had it off of your uh, lo- the average depth of target and yak and all that because I remember seeing that recently and it, it was surprising to me to see that and I was like, yeah, is that good or bad? <laughs> He's got, he's got a lot of air yards or whatever, but doesn't do much after the catch. Calvin Ridley. Calvin fucking Ridley, right? This guy is getting drafted in the fourth round right now. That's crazy to me. He's going to the 406, according to, what was it, fantasy draft? Ca- or I forget <laughs> which it is. Anyways, he's going to the 406, right? He's going one after Stefan Diggs, and he's going one above T.Y. Hilton, but the kid's young, man. Julio Jones is getting older, right? So, which way are you going, shot or not? One, two, three. Ah, I got to chug a beer. All right, go <laughs> ahead. I'm going to start. Yeah, I I'm not going to chug the whole beer. Just 
<laughs> you do you, man. Uh, the only reason I was thinking not was because according to this ADP, there was Terry McLaurin going a little bit after him. And that was the one that gave me a little pause. I ultimately ended up going shot because I, I think that he's going to be a fine number two fantasy wide receiver as well. What I want him is the alpha on my team. If I went three running backs to start and maybe not, but team construction, team construction aside, <laughs> I'm completely fine with him being my second, maybe third wide receiver on my fantasy team. Cause he's got the, he's tethered to the quarterback that we all like that does well in even numbered years. Um, and it's 2020 baby. So uh, I'll, I'll ride that ship. Yeah, I just, I can't get behind it yet. Um, There's a good chance that the, well, all right. First, let me say, I don't think that his physical skill set equates to be a wide receiver one on an offense. Mm -hmm. So eventually they're going to draft a guy who can actually come in there and take over for Julio Jones. And honestly, it could be this upcoming year with all the, the wide receiver talent, you know, top heavy coming out for this draft. But essentially, Calvin Ridley is never going to be the wide receiver one in that offense. And if they have to share targets with Julio Jones, right, with with Hayden Hurst, with a potential rookie in the upcoming year, I don't know if he ever actually hits the ceiling. And right now, he's getting drafted that ceiling, baby. He's getting drafted way, way too high for my taste. I'm not going Calvin Ridley. Not doing it. Not doing it. I'd much rather have a guy, if I'm trying to win now, like T.Y. Hilton, who, who could have a huge, huge season. And I'd much rather take a guy who could be an alpha in an offense, like you mentioned, whether it be DJ Shark or I think Cortland Sutton was one of the one of the guys that went later. Terry McLaurin, as you mentioned. Yeah, I'd just rather have the alpha in an offense over the wide receiver, too. So up next, up next, we have the guy who's actually the real wide receiver one. The real wide receiver one in that offense. Okay. And people don't realize this yet. People don't realize that that Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper is not the wide receiver one on the Cowboys. It's Michael Gallup, man. It's Michael Gallup 100%. This schedule coming up this year is going to be absolutely brutal for Amari Cooper. So Michael Gallup is actually the wide receiver one. However, he is going very, very early in the fifth round, the sixth overall pick. We have Miko Hardman and Allen Robinson surrounding him. It's weird that Miko Hardman is above him and Allen Robinson is below him. That doesn't make any sense to me. Sometimes I think that that website is on crack. Like, I don't know who's drafting, but that website's on crack. So, you know what? Let's switch it up and let's say Allen Robinson's ahead of him and Miko Hardman's behind him. Does that make more sense? Sure. I mean... It makes more sense than it currently does, yes. Okay, so let's say Allen Robinson is above him. Miko Hardman's behind him. And Michael Gallup is right there in the middle. He's sandwiched between two strong, powerful men. Anyways, uh, <laughs> to go back to it, are you taking a shot on Michael Gallup or are you not? One, two, three. Shot. Not. Nah. Uh, how are you not? I'm a big believer in, in CD lamb. And I, to me, like I'm not super shocked to see CD lamb be the number two. Now it sounds like you think he might be the number two and Gallup the one Cooper three, who knows? Yep. That's actually uh, how I have it. <laughs> not going to lie. You I'm know, it's a, really funny on... for all of you writers out there who work for, I don't take a shot. I don't care. <laughs> Go for it, man. Troy's over there telling me to take shots. So I'm just going to do it whenever. All right. So, um, the, the issue with Amari Cooper, right? Mm-hmm. 
is that Amari Cooper's schedule is absolutely brutal this upcoming year. I mean, I don't have the, the list out here in front of me like I probably should have, but I mean, he's facing like 12 of his 16 games are against guys that shut out, completely shut out either him or the majority of the competition from last year. And then he has like another two games as to which they play like the Baltimore Ravens and the Steelers who just shut out wide receivers as a whole. So Amari Cooper's schedule is going to be absolutely brutal. And yeah, they might move him in the slot, whatever the case is. But Michael Gallup could end up seeing all the targets that would normally go Amari Cooper's way, you know, just directed towards him because he's going to have easy competition. He's going to have easy competition. And honestly, like, I don't know. I just think that, that CeeDee Lamb, they, they spent the pick on him, right? They should have gone probably, you know, defensive back range or possibly on the defensive line. Instead, they ended up taking, you know, all the shots on CeeDee Lamb. And Jerry Jones is going to have to, to make sure that it works, right? He's going to have to make sure that, that he ends up developing into this top-end wide receiver. So I think that he's going to get the shots. Meanwhile, obviously, he gave him number 88 or encouraged him to take 88. I think Lamb was going to end up taking another number and didn't even go that route. On top of that, McCarthy does extremely, extremely well with slot receivers, right? We've seen him succeed with Randall Cobb. We saw him succeed with Demonte Adams. I mean, literally, it's like receiver after receiver that, that works in the slot just produces at a high end level for Mike McCarthy. So him going in there and me expecting that CeeDee Lamb is going to see a lot of slots and Jerry Jones breathing down McCarthy's neck, making sure that he ends up producing. I mean, is there a more like tinkering owner than Jerry Jones other than Daniel Snyder? I mean... It's going to end up being the Michael Gallup show followed up by CeeDee Lamb as the as the actual star in Dallas. And oh, what I was saying for all you for all you uh, Dynasty Happy Hour writers, Jacob Henry actually told me my view is asinine when I wrote my second article ever for Dynasty Happy Hour. So don't take it personally. (laughs) It it was really funny because I got really offended. I was like, it's not asinine. I got stats to back it up. But anyways, no, I mean, I think my reason for not taking the shot there isn't Amari Cooper related, really. I looked at the other wide receivers going right near him and I didn't see like a very, very obvious pivot. I mean, Robert Woods is going a little bit later. I like him production wise, but again, like when I think about an asset that is it on the incline or decline, he's probably more likely to be declining over the next year or two uh, as opposed to Gallup. But when if we're using this website as we are currently, I mean, CD lamb is eight, two, eight Oh two. in oh, this, dude, this website's terrible. I need to get a better one for the next show. Yeah. So, I mean, if I'm looking between, he's going to like the two, fourth round and most of the ones I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. But if I'm looking at this, I would rather take the shot on CD lamb. If he's going to be cheaper than Gallup. I mean, if, if you were looking at a different site and lambs cheaper by even one round, are you leaning not take the shot on Gallup and wait on Lamb, or are you still all in on Gallup? Mm, that's a good question. I think I have to lean... I think I have to lean Gallup slightly, but if it's yeah. one round of difference, I mean, I might take them both. I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> I might take them both because yeah. I think that the Dallas, you know, Dallas Cowboys can end up having two starting uh, wide receivers that are wide receiver twos, like you brought up earlier with, of course, Christian Kirk and, and DeAndre Hopkins. I think that they could have two wide receiver twos pretty easily. So I actually like, I like them both. I might take them both back to back rounds. Hmm. That would be very interesting. I, I think, yeah, I, th- I'd be interested in what other sites, uh, ha- where they have Gallup and Lamb too. 
Yeah, I know the sleeper has him around the fourth round. So, fourth round. all right, on to the next guy. We have the Bears with Anthony Miller. And Anthony Miller is one slot behind Darius Slayton and one slot above Paris Campbell at the 11.05. How do you feel about Anthony Miller? Count of three. One, two, three. Damn it. I went shot. shot. I went shot, but it was more like a sure thing. Like, eh, sure. Um, really? I would, yeah, I wouldn't consider myself like extremely high on Miller because I've seen some of his supporters out there and they are, uh, they're very adamant and that's cool. Um, I'm not one of those, but I just, I'm trying to like, when you think about the Bears offense and situations change a lot, so I don't want to, to overstate his situation currently, but like, who, who do you trust? I mean, I, I trust Allen Robinson. Not sure I trust David Montgomery. Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> That's who you trust. Didn't you see uh, the, the camp reports, man? He looks like oh, a brand new dude. quarterback. Dude, Damn, he made the wait. Pro Bowl two years wasn't ago. That, wasn't that Cordell Patterson saying that? I mean, he's yeah. barely a wide receiver. So he's like a running back. He's now, playing right? the running back. <laughs> yeah, he's playing a running back position. Dude, but, yeah. it, but I mean, come on. He was a Pro Bowler two years ago, right? Mitchell Trubisky uh, has to be at a top as end as level. A Bing- as a Bengals fan, I've seen Dalton make a, a Pro Bowl or two where I was like, wait, like I just watched this guy for 16 games and now he's in the NFL game of all the the best players doesn't make any sense though. what is that yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh yeah i mean <laughs> you could you could probably sell me on miller um stronger than what i was i went i went with a sure but man, i didn't feel great about it if you guys check out my article slot or not that actually highlights how there are a lack of of weapons and how matt Nagy is a terrible play caller and how he doesn't know how to use his weapons correctly even if he did have them and anthony miller who was actually standing out you know, significantly and who has actually impressed this past year, dude, he has all the opportunity in the world. Plus Allen Robinson, I believe is on his last year of the contract, if not two years out from his contract. So, I mean, Anthony Miller could actually be the wide receiver one, you know, moving into this offense with Darnell Mooney coming in as a deep threat and then them possibly moving on to somebody else separate from Allen Robinson. Now I do think that they re-sign Allen Robinson, but if Mitchell Trubisky, Right. Is anything close to a shell of his 2018 self? Mm -hmm. You know, he could have a a more efficient year as to where he could support Anthony Biller being a wide receiver three. Now, being in the 10th round, that's like the fifth or sixth, you know, wide receiver taken. Like he's not going to be your starter. So you're not like missing out on tremendous value if you take Mm -hmm. him over somebody else. However, his upside is there. And when we talk about dynasty, we talk about dynasty at the Bears. If, if, if Trubisky and Foles suck ass, like if they're brutal, if they're terrible, you're talking about a, uh, either Chase Fields or Trevor Lawrence potentially walking into that situation, right? So, man, oh man, we could see some tremendous, tremendous upside from Anthony Miller. On to our next guys. Now, these next guys, they kind of all got grouped in the same category because they pretty much all went the same rounds. So we're going to go guy by guy. But I want to announce everybody who's in here. All right. We have Emmanuel Sanders. We have Preston Williams. We have Michael Pittman, Jamison Crowder, Justin Jefferson. Right. They're all back to back. They're going from the 1206 all the way to the 1307. So let's start out with the Saints. Emmanuel Sanders. Are you taking a shot or not? One, two, three. Cool. Not. Not. All right. 
Glad that we established that. I think that Emmanuel Sanders is essentially just a gimmick there. He'll have a couple good games, but you're never going to know when to start him. Michael Thomas, even up against superior competition, you know, he's going to demand the targets. I just, I'm not a huge fan of, of Emmanuel Sanders at this point with the Saints. He's probably more one of those better fits for the football team than he is for fantasy football. Exactly. <laughs> like, Very similar to how he was with the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, absolutely. he crushed it the first couple of weeks, but obviously he fell off towards the end, and Debo Samuel took over as the wide receiver one. All right, so up next, we have Preston Williams. Are we doing a shot or not? Oh, shit. One, two, three. <laughs> shot. Damn it. This is like four shots now in what? Oh, we're just getting started, baby. 17 minutes? <laughs> Yeah, Preston Williams, uh, this is another area of growth for me, uh, a little bit. So I, I, I tend to be a draft capital snob a little bit sometimes. I used to. And the whole undrafted thing, I know he had off-field things that kind of pushed him down. But the whole undrafted thing, I'm very rarely going to sink any real capital into an undrafted free agent that comes into the league. But once they come in and show something, I don't, it doesn't matter. I don't care what the draft capital is at that point. And what he showed last year was extremely impressive. And I think like at a what, 12th, middle of the 12th round for a potentially wide receiver one in that offense tied to Tua Tagovailoa, like, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he dominated, dominated, absolutely dominated the target share, the average depth of targets, the, the red zone targets. I mean, he dominated almost every single metric over, over Devontae Parker. Right. Pretty sure he did. Yeah, right. are you, so you're completely out on Devontae? Uh, I'm not a fan of Devontae. I think he's going no, way too either. early. Okay. Uh, yeah. It could be an outlier year, although he could produce, but we're not going to see near the, the level of production that we saw you know, this past year. I mean, maybe if mm-hmm. Tua comes in and he's a, stu- like a, a stupid, stupid superstar of a quarterback, maybe, 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 like Devontae Parker could outproduce what he did last year. It's, it's possible, but with, with obviously Preston Williams coming back and them continuing to add weapons onto that offense, I think that his target share is going to eventually go down, and I, just, I don't see it happening. I don't think he's that great of a player. What I'm about you? you on that. No, I, I, I've never been on the Devontae train. I, I have a hard time grasping the fact that somebody flopped for that many years and then had one good year, and now we're just forgetting the previous, you know, however many years that we saw kind of subpar play i know situations were different but it's like eh i still got that bad taste in my mouth i'm not going to draft him that early all right up next we have colts michael Pittman. all right this one's tough for me not gonna lie so are we taking a shot on this guy or not one two three damn it shot I went shot. This was actually a pretty easy one for me. Uh, I, I love Michael Pittman and I love not as much as others, but I like his situation a lot. He's got the, uh, the aging wide receiver one in front of him. Um, he's not going to be thrust into the role right away that where he has to be the alpha. But I, I think what I saw from his tape from last year at USC was pretty impressive. And I think his skill sets pretty much translate fairly well to the NFL, like not wouldn't necessarily a burner, but with the production he had and Scott rivers there, I, everybody's making that, that tie to Mike Williams. I would love to know what you think about that. Like everyone's doing the, the easy comp Mike Williams, 
the new Mike Williams, Michael Pittman for Philip Rivers. I'm kind of like, eh, it seems kind of lazy, but I don't know. It's not a bad comp. I mean, just because it's lazy doesn't mean it's necessarily terrible. And whew, hey, Tyler, what's up, man? Tyler from obviously Dynasty Happy Hour has joined us. And I don't know if you know what's going on, Tyler, but I'm having to take a shot on every time that we pick the same player to actually produce. So I'm five shots deep in about 20 minutes or so. So I hope you enjoy. Anyways, I'm designated driver currently. He's the DD. He's making sure the (laughs) podcast goes right. (sighs) All right. With Colts, Michael Pittman. Uh, For me, I think that he does play a very similar role. However, I think that Mike Mike Williams was actually way, way more athletic. I don't even think it was close. I mean, Mike Williams' athleticism is through the roof. And I saw a stat today, actually, that compared him and was it Cortland Sutton? Uh, and, and how similar they actually were with their metrics when it came to air yards, uh, reception percentage, I believe, yards as a whole, touchdowns. I mean, they were actually like almost neck and neck. It was pretty insane. If you guys have time, and I'll try and find the tweet so I can, I can retweet it, but if you guys have time, go look up the similarities to 2019 Mike Williams versus 2019 Cortland Sutton, I believe. Anyways, uh, if Michael Pittman gets anywhere close to Mike Williams' production, I'm all on board. The reason why I like Michael Pittman, however, is the fact that he fits the, you know, alpha receiver type role. And I really, I I really think that, that the Colts have been, you know, striving to find that, that guy. And I think that Reich actually excels with those type of receivers. Still makes me a little nervous from time to time, but honestly, I'm on board with Michael Pittman, you know, especially being in the 13th round. I mean, how can you go wrong with that? Exactly. Especially he's one of those rookie wide receivers that might be, might be best set up for immediate production. Some of these other ones we've got some questions on, we might see something right away from him. So we'll know, we could know pretty early whether he's going to be good or not. I don't know, man. Paris Campbell, Paris Campbell has gotten some, some camp height today. Camp height today. I know. I know. All right. Up Uh, next we have, sorry, I dropped my papers. All right. Up next we have, uh, Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder at the 1306. Oh, man. I don't know if you read my article or not. You might just be trying to fuck me at this point. All right. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Let's go. One, two, three. Shot. Shot. Damn it. Sure. Let me pour it again. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want me to take my time on this one or <laughs> go ahead? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I good. mean, Crowder, Crowder seems like the very popular pick these days for, um, you know, I don't know if you want to call them sleeper appeal, but more just like late round value, Jamison Crowder, uh, great for PPR. In this case, though, I'm actually on board with that popular, um, thinking because, I, I have him on a couple teams, so maybe it's that bias coming out, but like he's just the extremely consistent guy you throw in your last flex spot every week. And you'll he's better in PPR than standard, of course, because you'll have those like eight catches for 62 yard games or something like that. He'll get peppered with 17 targets um randomly in in a game. Uh and I'm fine putting him there because I think more often than not, he's gonna give you a a, a fairly stable floor that others there are probably more boom bust. He doesn't have much of a ceiling, but that's fine. Real quick, not to deter from what we we're talking about. I went to go find an article because I wanted to make sure I got a stat right. And I'm sitting here looking at dynasty uh, happy hours articles. So huge shout out to you guys. Of course, dude, we have seven articles that came out today. 
seven articles today. That is crazy. Troy put out Teddy B, Rise of the Phoenix. Right, Corey put out Running Back Dive, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Matthew McCarthy put out Gray Area Players, Finding Unappreciate, and then it tails off. Sorry, Matt, I just can't read the whole thing. You have My Gauntlet of the Late Round Receiver, the final chapter. You have Ryan versus Stafford, Draft Day Decisions, right? You have, uh, oh, that's by Matt McCarthy as well. Damn, he put out two. Good for him. And then you have Juan Carlos Pena, who put out the weekly doppelganger game. And then Corey Spala put out running back dive, Tennessee Titans. That's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. All right. So going to Slot or Not, the article for Dynasty Happy Hour real quick. I'm going to go look up what I had for Jamison Crowder because I believe he finishes like a top uh, as a wide receiver three and he's getting drafted as like the wide receiver 50 or something insane like that. And I don't understand the respect, the disrespect, I mean, that, that Jamison Crowder is getting. It doesn't make any sense to me. I kind of feel like it's like it's because he's one of the most unsexy unsexiest is that a word <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's a word as i said it i was like i don't think i've ever said that word before the least sexy picks you can make and even if it's late i think it's that upside like people chase the upside late a lot you get some people that chase the the youth and he's not really young and he doesn't really have a monster ceiling so like how I'm old is he people are just past i would guess 20 in his 20s uh, <laughs> <am I? laughs> that's a very no, safe guess, pick i would guess 20 27 by the end of the season you got, he's 27 right now okay yeah you're right on point that's that's not old oh no i don't think it's old he still has three I think, years i just think if people are faced with the dilemma of Pittman versus crowder for example like they're always gonna almost always going to go with the younger guy that's Dude, five years younger i will take crowder over over Pittman, 100 percent i don't know i'd have to think about it that would probably be team construction dependent for me more than anything else I'll take him, man. I'd rather have the proven talent who has, he has three years of like, you know, of, I guess, uh, uh, what's it called? I'm having a brain fart, having five shots deep. Yeah, uh, his ceiling. The brain fart. <laughs> yeah. His, it's a blackout. It, whew, all right. His, <laughs> his upside, like, you know, he has that, that prime potential to, to produce, you know, over the next three years, right? He'll be in his prime. Oh, I said prime potential. He's, he'll be in his prime for at least three more years. And he has that upside for the next two, three years following that. I love Jamison Crowder, man. I'll take him all day, every day. And, and the disrespect is unreal. All right. On to the final guy in this section. We have Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is huh, something else which we will discuss as soon as we decide. Are you doing a shot or not for Justin Jefferson? Shot. Damn it. See, this, kind of, this one also kind of felt like a weird ADP-ish because I'm like, I'm not sure these rookies... In redraft, I don't... Uh, maybe 13th round. In, in redraft, in, I think he's higher. He has a, he's, he's pretty much going to be starting in this offense. He has a better chance to start than... than oh, no, Pittman I'm does. saying if he, if he was going redraft at thir- 13, it would be a little bit more forgivable than Dynasty at 13. Like 13th round, Justin Jefferson and Dynasty, like smash every time. Yeah, I probably should have profile. thought about it as I was actually typing this up that it didn't sound right. I was just trying to piece together a show sheet. No, you're good. So you're good. I mean, do the, you think he? 
how do you think he slots in with where, where Diggs is gone? Cause there's a lot of like vacated targets talk. So he's like, not going to play the Diggs role in my opinion. Uh, I mean, he might play it partially like he still might, you know, get those targets, but he's not a down downfield threat necessarily. This guy's a slot receiver, man. He can play the outside, but he's a slot receiver. And obviously with them having two tight end sets, there's not going to be a lot of opportunity to have slot passes, which means that he's going to get rub routes off of the tight end. That right there. That right there is the secret, my friends. When you get those, those uh, slant routes, right? When you get those drags, you know, they don't relate to a ton of fantasy points. But as we saw with, with A.J. Brown, they could relate to, to big-time plays and obviously a ton, a ton of receptions. So, in the article that I have coming out, not to spoil too much, but that's what you guys get since you guys did join this live feed. Justin Jefferson is actually one of my candidates to break 100 receiving yards and possibly break uh, Anquan Bolden's uh, rookie receiving record of 101 receptions. So, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I like him. It's impossible? I said, no, that's possible, I guess. Yep, he's one of three guys. Anything is possible. Uh, No, actually, when you were talking about he wouldn't slide into the Diggs role, uh, it reminded me the other day I was randomly looking up... uh, dig stuff for another article and his like average death of target has been so weird. Like every other year in his career is like lower, higher, lower, higher, lower, higher. I didn't dig into it as far as like what the offense looked like each of those years. But last year, his Stefan Diggs's average death of target was like 14.8. Just like, that's just bonkers. The year before it was 8.9. I'm like, what? <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how Jefferson's using that offense. Honestly, Thielen is the guy there that I'm like pretty interested in. If he starts to fall due to the, Due to ageism that we get into, but injuryism. Yeah, that's true. Okay, okay. Last year he had the what was the injury last year? Hamstring. It was yeah. I don't have the injuries listed in front of me. I'm not sure. I thought he played a full 16 the season before, though. I could be wrong. He was hindered by injuries. I remember he ended up having the first eight games, like producing yeah. as a yeah, 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 the yeah. wide receiver one, yards, I think, in fantasy. Yards, or wide receiver yards, 100 yards. <laughs> yeah, and then he fell off the map because he once again got hindered by injuries. The thing is, like, people, you guys, people as a whole don't realize that injuries play a factor with these guys, even if they don't miss games. So hearing things like Keenan Allen isn't injury prone that's not true. Like just because you see him playing 16 games on a list of, you know, games throughout a career does not mean that he wasn't hindered with injuries. And obviously that's, you know, it's essentially like an amateur move when you sit there and you do that because people don't have time to look into it. And that's cool. That's why we're here. We're here to Mm -hmm. inform you. But for those people that have time to look into it, it's lazy. It's lazy to sit there and call somebody not injury prone. Although people are like, oh, well, injury prone is overused. It's lazy to call somebody, you know, not injury prone or not categorize them as injury prone if you don't look into their stats. Like if you see a gap, right, in production, if you go to their game log and you see them getting 20 yards and 30 yards and 40 yards for like five straight games, go look into their injury reports. See if they appeared on the injury report for those set games. You have to, or else you're cheating yourself and you're cheating the people that you're sharing with saying that they're not injury prone because there's a 90% chance that they incurred an injury that ended up them sitting out at least one practice, like a hamstring pull or whatever that hindered their production in the previous years. Don't be lazy. If you see a gap where they didn't produce, go and look into their injury reports. I'm kind of interested to see if in fantasy, we're going to get more, uh, 
I guess if we want to say analysts, whatever, ad, uh, advisors, fantasy advisors, whatever <laughs> people are. Experts. Yeah. Oh, you're right. All you experts, experts out there. Troy loves that. We're all experts. Um, We're all experts. Like, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna gonna to crop out that part in the video and make sure I put that on every uh, single one of Troy's experts. posts. Uh, no, but like, are we going to get more into, or just in general in the community, see more like usage of snap, snap rates and things like that? Because you see, you do see those, like, uh, I see like Miles Sanders. There's a lot of talk around like Miles Sanders weeks, 11 through 17. But even if you include week 17 of last year, I think that was the game he was injured and his snap share was like 50% or less or whatever, because he ended up leaving with an injury or like you said, it was hindered like in and out of the game. You can count that as a game played, but like when we think about like stats and, you know, looking at different sample size things, it's like some of those are very easily skewed by like, yes, they played, but they were injured in the first quarter. Maybe they came back. Maybe they didn't like, you see that all the time in fantasy and in, in football, when you're watching a game where a tweak here, they come in for a few plays. It doesn't feel right. They leave until halftime. They get an IV for something. They try to come back. It's like, that stuff skews, you know, the data that we're looking at when we're trying to like make, make evaluations on players. <sighs> it's tough. It's absolutely tough to sit there and figure out where to go. But when you have people that are willing to do the research, like the writers over there at dynasty happy hour, that's <laughs> not when... I'm not doing that research. That's too manual for me. <laughs> oh, I, I do it all. I do it all. All right. So, I'm going to end up skipping the rest of the guys because we didn't have an ADP and I'm already kind of, you know, feeling buzzed as it is. So, and we're sitting there at an hour and five minutes and I want to get you out of here. Shot. I, I agree. <laughs> hey, thank you guys for listening. If you guys want to follow Taylor, it's under, it's at underscore Taylor Cornell on Twitter. That's with two L's by the way. And then if you want to follow his podcast, go ahead and say your podcast since I fucked it up at the beginning. Sure. It's the dinosaurs. It's Twitter is at the dino D Y N O source. Oh, I get it. Ah, like a dinosaur. I get it now. God, I had to be drunk to do it. All right, cool. <laughs> dinosaur. I love it. I love it. Rar. Oh, is that what he, a dinosaur says? I don't know. He just roared. Like, yeah, I was thinking it should have been more like, rawr. Rawr. <laughs> <laughs> it's going off the rails. It's going off the rails. We're done. We're done. Anyways, guys, if you all want to follow me on Facebook, Go to Fantasy Football Discussion and follow them instead. I post plenty of my content there. If you guys want to find me on any of my informative sites, whether it's DraftKings or uh, DraftKings <laughs> Dynasty. See, this is what Seven Shots does to me, man. I'm done. If you guys missed out, I see we have like eight new viewers right now. If you guys missed out, you guys missed Shot or Not, where I just crushed seven shots in 20 minutes. Whew. All right, so if you guys want to follow me on any of my sources or any of my platforms, I'm, at, I'm with uh, Dynasty Happy Hour. I'm with Dynasty Nerds. And I'm also with Fantasy Football Discussion on Facebook. You guys can find me on Linktree, or at Linktree. L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Fantasy Intervention. Once again, that's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Fantasy Intervention. You can find all of my stuff on there, including all the platforms I'm available on. I also have signed up for a, what's it called? An OnlyFans, but I have to wait to get approved because of my license. Needs to actually be processed through their approval system. Yeah, I got an OnlyFans to post my videos on. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> This is ridiculous. We need to cut this off right now. Thank you guys for listening, and thank you for letting me intervene with your fantasy football life. I'm out. Hey, my mom told my niggas is dope. Switch up a stove to pick up
That's how you bang a podcast.